continue with our Roman series, part 18. We will get through the end of chapter 5. Um, look at verses 12 through 21. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace, and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So starting in verse 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man, and that one man is Adam. We all know that Adam was the first man created that he was the first to sin, right? So death came through one man, that one man is Adam. Um, by one man's sin entered the world, and death by sin. So it was by Adam's sin that death entered. And we read this in Genesis. Genesis 2.17, God tells Adam, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And if you look at uh, chapter 3, verse 19, this is the curse, that part of the curse that is given to Adam for his sin. It says, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So at the funerals they say, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It comes from the Bible. Right. God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground and breathed into him the spirit, the breath of life. And so once he sinned, God said, well, I told you you were going to die if you sinned, so you're going to return back to dust. Right? That is death, returning back to dust. Uh, also in 1 Corinthians 15, 21, I put on... A mistype on your outline it says First Corinthians twenty five twenty one, which is also a good verse. You should look it up sometime. But in First Corinthians fifteen twenty one, it says, "For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead." So by man, Adam came death. Uh, it says by man came also the resurrection of the dead, Jesus Christ. Right, he is the man of where we get resurrection of the dead. Death came from Adam. Um, so that verse is, you say 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty one is almost a summary of what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, but sin entered, and death by sin, by that uh, Adam's sin. Um, this is also a verse against evolution. 
because evolution teaches that death entered millions of years ago. Um, survival of the fittest, right? You have these species, and only the strong survive, which means everything else in that species dies off. And you've all seen the pictures of a monkey, and the monkey's a little bit standing up a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more, until eventually it's a man. Well, what evolution teaches is that those species started to die off because, right, evolution only lets the strongest survive and it um, evolves into something different, something stronger, but it has death throughout all those periods. So it says ever since the beginning you had death. Um, well, here it says death entered by man. And in evolution, man didn't come until millions of years after it supposedly started, right? So this verse would contradict uh, the theory of evolution because it says death came by Adam, by man, um, not before man. So this is a verse that you could use to, uh, like I said, use against evolution. Um, it says, so death passed upon all men. In Genesis one twenty eight. We see that God blessed them, speaking of Adam and Eve, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Um, so God creates man, tells him to have dominion over the earth. And verse 27 was the verse that I wanted. It says that, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So God created Adam and Eve in his image. But if you look at Genesis 5, 1 through 3, it says this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him, male and female created he them and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived in 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. So Seth was born in the image and likeness of Adam. And so Adam introduces sin into the world and death by sin. And so now death passes upon all men because now Seth is born in Adam's image. He wasn't created without sin as Adam was. He wasn't created in the image of God. He was born in the image and likeness of his father Adam. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Seth, just like his father, sinned just like I sin, just like we all sin. And this is what we learn in Romans 1 through 3, where Paul goes through and shows how that all are guilty before God, all have sin. So Adam introduced sin into the world, and you have death by sin. That was the punishment for sin. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Right, That is the payment for our sin, death. Uh, verse 13, it says, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So for until the law, sin was in the world. The law, of course, did not come until Moses. But that does not mean that sin was not in the world. Um, Genesis 3, 6 is where Adam and Eve sin and disobey God. Genesis 4, 8 is where Cain uh, kills his brother Abel. So you have sins in the world before the law. Genesis 29 is Sodom and Gomorrah. So you have the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and the wickedness there in that city, the sin in that city. Um, Genesis 39 is Judah and his sons and the sins that they commit, how that they were wicked. 
And so you can see when you read through the book of Genesis, these sins that are in the world before the law. So just because there was no law doesn't mean that sin wasn't in the world. So it says, for until the law, sin was in the world. Um, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So going back to Genesis 4, Cain. It says, And Cain talked with Abel, in verse 8, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto, her, unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out of this day from the face of the earth. And from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. So here you have God intervening on Cain's behalf. He cursed Cain, judged Cain, but he also intervened on Cain's behalf. He wasn't imputing the sin to Cain as he would have under the law. Right? The law said, if you do this, this is what happens. Right? And that sin is imputed to them. But Cain was under a law. Yes, he still sinned, there's still wickedness, and God judges sin because he's righteous, but he doesn't impute the sin to them based on the law because there is no law at this time. Um, so when there is no law, the sin is not imputed. Uh, Romans 2.12 says, For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. So those who are without law will perish without law because they're still sinners and wicked, but they're not going to be judged by the law. They're not going to have that sin imputed to them because there is no law. In verse 14, it says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So even though there was no law and sin was not imputed, he says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. So is Adam still alive today? No. Is Moses still alive today? No. Abraham? No. Right. Death reigned. All of them died. Uh, Hebrews eleven thirteen says the same thing. It says, These all died in the faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So here where it talks about the faith of Abraham and Sarah and Noah, it says these all died in the faith. Right? They didn't receive the promises but saw them afar off. So death had reigned from Adam to Moses. Even though they were under the law, again, death is the wages of sin. It says even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come. So what is the similitude of Adam's transgression? Well, that's breaking a law. Okay, Adam was given a command. That command was, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden of knowledge and evil. And so there was that command given. But nobody else had this command, right? Could Noah have eaten of that tree? 
No, because in Genesis 3, at the end of the chapter, it says, So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So they could not come back to the garden because you had the cherubims there guarding it. So Noah couldn't have done it, right? And nobody after Adam because they were driven out of the garden. And of course, after Noah, you have the flood. The garden was most likely destroyed, right? So after Noah, nobody could have done it. So nobody could have broke that same law that was given to Adam. So that's what it means about um, even those that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Okay, Cain wasn't told, don't kill your brother. Yes, it was sin, but he didn't have that law. So that's what it means by the similitude of Adam's transgression. Adam deliberately disobeyed God. And it says, who is the figure of him that was to come? Speaking of Adam being a figure or a type of Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.22. We just read 15.21. It says, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So that's the type there. It's a contrast. In Adam all die, but in Christ all shall be made alive. So we're all born into Adam, but once you get saved, you're in Christ and you're made alive. So the contrast is you have the one man, Adam, whereby death by Adam, then you have the one man, Christ, and life through Christ. So he's a type of Adam, uh, of Christ. Adam is a type or figure of Christ. If you turn on the back of uh, your page, this was taken from the Grace Ambassadors website. Of some contrast that I thought were good, showing the figure of uh, Adam to Christ. It says, both were men, though Christ was also God manifest in the flesh. They both were men. Both had God as their father. Right? Adam was created by God. So God was his father. Uh, Jesus, of course, is the only begotten son of God. Both were made without sin. Adam was created without sin. Both had bodies of flesh and blood. Christ manifested in the flesh, became flesh and blood. Right? He felt the infirmities, the same things that we feel. Uh, both were named by God. Of course, parents today named their children, where Adam was named by God. Uh, both bore God's image. Again, Christ, when he was on earth, talks about how you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? I and the Father are one. Adam, again, was made after God's own image in the likeness of God. Both could live forever. Adam had the opportunity to, being there in the, in the garden. You don't see anywhere where God says, don't eat of the tree of life. Right? It was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, both were offered dominion over the world. Adam was told to have dominion over the world. If he had not sinned and messed it up, Right? He would have dominion over the world right now. Both were given the choice of obedience. Um, you think about Jesus there at the cross. Right, He prayed, not my will, but thine. He had that choice of obedience. And of course, Christ chose to obey, being perfect, being God. Adam chose to disobey. Uh, both talked talk to God in a garden. Adam in the Garden of Eden. Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Both were made under a law. Again, Adam was that one that was given a law. We just talked about after Adam until Moses, no one sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. In Galatians, it talks about how Christ came born under the law to redeem them that were under the law. So both were made under the law. Both chose death, 
to be made sin. So Adam chose death when he chose to sin. Christ chose death and became sin for us on our behalf. Um, both performed one act for all humanity. Uh, we just read that in 1 Corinthians. By one man, Adam, all die. By one man, Christ, all shall be made alive. Um, both were cursed. Uh, both bore thorns. Both died because of sin. Both willingly died by a tree. So you had the tree there, the cross, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Both brought something to reign over the world. Adam brought uh, death to reign over the world. Christ brought grace to reign over the world. And then both obtained something that others could not. So those are some similarities where you see that type of Christ. And again, it's a contrast. Adam for the bad, Christ for the good, right? So you had that contrast there. But uh, you have to be careful when reading the Bible of saying this is a type of Christ. But here it clearly says Adam was the figure of him that was to come. So Adam is definitely a type of Christ because we're told it is in the scripture. Told he is. Um, but going on, verse 15, it says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. In verses 15 through, I think, 19, it's kind of some weird wording in these verses. So it's kind of hard uh, studying out. But I think what he's saying here is what Adam and Jesus did were similar, but there is a difference. So he says, but not as the offense, so also the free gift. That not as the offense. It's kind of like there's a difference. Even though they're similar, there is a difference. And we'll look at that a little more. He says, through the offense of one, one many be dead. So it was Adam's sin, not his good works, uh, that was imputed to all. It's because of his sin that uh, many be dead. Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace. Uh, the grace of God and the gift by grace is greater, better, uh, more able to abound to all men than the act of Adam. So you see there it says much more the grace of God. So Adam's sin brought death upon all, but much more than that, better than that, greater than that, it's the grace and the gift of grace that comes through Jesus Christ. It says, which is by one man, Jesus Christ. The grace of God and the gift of grace also comes by one man, Jesus Christ. Hath abounded to many. And in this dispensation, God's grace abounds. Right? This is a dispensational uh, truth. It's abounded to many in this dispensation. And of course, Ephesians 3, 3-2, uh, not 1-2, talks about Paul saying, the dispensation of grace given to me, to Hubert, right? And so Paul, of course, who wrote the book of Romans, would have known the grace that abounded in this dispensation. Um, but I want to talk about this word many, because you might get a little Calvinistic reading this word many, right? Um, the grace of God have abounded to many. Not all, many, they say, right? And the many elect. Now, Calvinists often like to use the verses in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that talk about many. Um, but if you go to Acts 1.1, you have to look at context. Because it says, um, for if the, through the offense of one, many be dead. Well, didn't we just cover that everybody died? Right. Everybody I know has died. Right, so many wouldn't fit in that aspect. So why would it fit in the gift of grace only be given to many? Um, if you look at Acts 1.1, 1, 1, 
It says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So you see that word all is the same word as many. It's just translated different. Um, Acts 3.21. It says, Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So the restitution of many things or all things. It says all things here. Same Greek word. Uh, Acts 9.32. It says, and it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints, which dwelt at Lydda. So there you have all quarters, or many quarters. Um, but it says, as he passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints, uh, which dwelt at Lydia. So he passed through all the quarters in that area or region when he came to the city. That's what it means. And we won't look at all of these, but there are several other places in Acts where... It's the word all, but it's the same Greek word, polis. Polis, I think is how you say it. It's P-O-L-Y-S. So here in Romans, uh, I think the reason it uses the word many is because it's speaking of each individual, many individuals. It's all of them, but when it has the word all, from what I understand from the translation, it's like as a whole. But here it wants to point out every individual themselves. Does that make sense? Singular in a sense, but it's all of them. So that's why it was translated many here. Because it wants to bring that aspect of every every person individually. But it ends up being all of them. Um, and then we'll show that it means all here in the context. Because a few verses later it says all instead of many. And it says the exact same thing pretty much. Um but verses 16 through 19, we'll read them, and they kind of say the same thing. Again, it's kind of redundant here in these verses. But it says, And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So again, kind of the same thing in each right. By one man's offense brought condemnation. By one man's obedience you get righteousness. Um, by one man's offense you get judgment and condemnation. Even so, by one man's uh, righteousness you get justification and the free gift. So he's just making this contrast, these different uh, words here, justification, righteousness, free gift, versus Adam who brought judgment, condemnation, death. But uh, verse 18, it says, Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation. In verse 15, it said many. Here it's saying all men. So you see the contrast in the context, many means all here based on how I read it. Um, and again, it proves to be true because all men have died, right? So, um, this, th these verses also explain what the similarities and the difference were, and we've already covered the similarities, which is, right, it's through one man who brought death. Through one man you have life. The difference is, it's kind of an opposite. Um, 
one man's sin brought death upon all, whereas one man's death brought the gift of eternal life to all. So in a sense, Adam let death out, and Christ is having to rein it back in. Does that make sense? No? Yes? The difference is, is similar, but the difference is, in a sense, Adam let death out upon all men, and Christ brings it back in, right? In Revelation one eighteen, it's the verse where Christ says that he now holds the keys to death. He says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. It had the keys of hell and of death. And we read in 1 Corinthians 15.21 where... By one man came resurrection, right? So Adam let death out, and Christ reverses that by allowing resurrection, eternal life to all, right? The free gift here in Romans 5. So that's the difference. I think that's what he was talking about in uh, Romans five fourteen, where we talked about, but not as the offense. So it's saying there, there is a difference. They're similar, but there is a difference. Um, and then also in verse 17, it says, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Um, this is a passage where they'll go to teach universalism because it talks about the free gift given to all. Uh, that means it's offered to all. But here it says the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness is to those which receive it, which shows that you have to have faith in Christ to receive it. Okay, It's not teaching that everybody say which is what universal teaches. But you have that word, they which receive it, get the abundant life, get the grace. So you have to receive it by faith. Um, and again, verse 18 explains above, the above, and also shows that many can mean all. And then verse 19, all are born in the first, one man, Adam. But if they have faith in the second, one man, Christ, they can receive eternal life. So that's kind of a summary of verses 16 through 19. Uh, verse 20, it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So the law entered with Moses uh, that the offense might abound. And as we learned earlier in Romans, the law shines a light on our sin. That's why it entered to show humanity is wicked. In Romans 3, 19 through 20, it says, Now we know that what... Things over the law saved, it saved to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law brings the knowledge of sin. If you put yourself under the law, you're going to realize a lot of sin in your life, okay? Because that's what the law does. It brings the knowledge of sin. The more laws you put yourself under, the more sin you're going to see in your life, okay? So... If you want to put yourself under the law, you have to keep it all. That's what the scripture teaches. You can't just pick and choose which ones. He that puts himself under a law is better to do the whole law. So you can't just take a few. I think I can keep these five. You know, you have to take all 613. Okay, So you can't just take some of them. But the law was given to show the knowledge of sin. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 11. Paul says, But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for, per 
perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which is committed to my trust. So the law is for the unrighteous, not the righteous, to show them their sin. In Galatians, it talks about how the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, to show us our need for Christ. And so the law was given that the offense might abound to bring out man's sin and to show them their need, again, for Christ. But here it says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And of course, the sin abounded because the law was shining the light on it. But grace did much more abound. And this is a dispensational change. Grace abounds in this dispensation. And in Galatians 3, it says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law, it was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promise of God? God forbid, for if they had been given a law, for if they had been a law given, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise might be by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So here he's saying the promise to Abraham was that Christ would come. And the law was given to show you need Christ. Right? So it didn't disannul the promise because he said if a law could be given to get eternal life, it would have been given. But it can't. It has to be by faith in Christ. And so after Christ came, then God could reveal the mystery and show how that it's faith in Christ alone that you were saved. And so this is a dispensational aspect. Grace abounds today because we had the mystery. We're in this dispensation of grace. Christ has come and died and resurrected. And we're also not under the law. Romans 6.14 says you're not under the law, but under grace. So sin doesn't reign or abound in this dispensation because you're not under the law. That's why the law was given to show sin. And so sin abounded. But in this dispensation, grace does much more abound. We are under grace, not under the law. In verse 21, it says, uh, that, have, that as sin have reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So sin have reigned unto death under the law, but grace reigns in this dispensation through Jesus Christ, and we can have eternal life because of his gift of grace. So it's only through Christ right, that we have this grace and this gift of eternal life. And that is... What's reigning in this dispensation is that grace and that offer of salvation to all. So this concludes Romans chapter 5. Any thoughts or questions?